Are you glad to be here? Good, good. Open your Bibles, if you will. I'm going to be at a few different places, but um, if you want to go ahead and go to Proverbs uh, chapter 6 and then uh, Romans 13, we'll get to those eventually. But we kicked off last week a series called You Asked For It, and it was based on the questions uh, the, the, the question I asked earlier in the year is, what does the Bible say? And so I invited you to submit questions um, that you had about what the Bible teaches. And so uh, we kicked that off last week. As Justin said, we talked about the Trinity. One of the questions was, is God and Jesus the same person? And so we kind of unpacked that uh, last week. And uh, some of the questions were easy. Some of them were practical. Some of them were uh, relational, some financially financial, some uh, a little controversial. So we're going to work week to week through those. Today is financial uh, in nature. So those of you, um, man, I think it applies to every one of us because we all deal with money. Um, and so today the question that was asked is, what does the Bible say about debt? And then they put in there, um, being in it, getting out of it, staying out of it. And a follow-up question to that was, how does debt affect relationships marriage and God. So that's a a lot of stuff there to unpack. So I want to begin with just what the Bible does say about debt. Um, Just kind of, and by way of a little bit of fun, a man called the police department and he said that his wife's credit cards had been stolen. And the police officer was very understanding. He said, sir, I'm so sorry. We will do everything we can to locate uh, her credit cards as soon as we can. He said, hey, hey, take your time. Uh, the, the criminal spends less than she did. Um, so, you know, the, this thing about debt, how many, if we'll just be honest, how many have some, and no matter if it's little, big, whatever, some connection with debt? Pretty much a majority of people. So debt affects everyone. So one of the questions is, it, you know, what does the Bible say about debt. And growing up the way I was growing up and, and some of the, the conversations that you might have and, and you may have heard from different people, depending on who you listen to, um, I, I'll, I'll follow this one up. How many of you believe the Bible teaches that it's a sin or it's wrong to be in any kind of debt? How many of you ever heard that? Okay, maybe you heard it. Okay, good that not everybody believes it because um, I looked through all the scriptures, um, studying those out so I could just kind of talk about this today. Um, so, the first question I'll say is, is being in debt wrong or is it sinful? I'll answer the question. My conviction is no. It's not a sin to be in debt. And now, now before you say, okay, great, Shane said, party on, let's go get in debt. That's not what I'm saying because it has a lot to say about debt, but in and of itself, is it a sin? Is it wrong? No. Now, usually when someone will say uh, that debt is wrong, they will cite two verses. Um, they'll say, well, the Bible says, you shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 16, or excuse me, 15, and, uh, and then they'll also use a New Testament verse in Romans 13 verse, I think it's 6, and they'll say, oh no man, nothing. But if you take those verses and you look at the wider context of what's going on in the scriptures, you'll see that that is not a command to not be in debt, um, but it is merely just a reference to it. So I'm going to do Deuteronomy chapter 15 to give us a little bit of background of that one. And I'm going to try to work through it as quickly as I can um, to get to some of the other part of the question that was asked. Um, So in chapter 15 of Deuteronomy, the the pericope on that section of Scripture, and and a pericope is just the the heading for that passage of Scripture. It's like telling you what it's going to be talking about. And it says there, it's talking about release for debtors. So think about it for a moment. The children of Israel, um, they've been slaves in Egypt, and God is giving them the promised land. They're not there yet. 
but he's, he's sending them that way, and he's giving them all these laws, decrees to follow when they're there. And in the context of that, he's saying, hey, listen, when you get to the place that I'm going to take you, uh, there's going to be this thing you're going to be dealing with, debt. And, and here's what was cool with them. Every seven years, they were required in their Jewish law to erase all debts. How many of you wish that was a thing today? Especially those of you who raise your hand, I'm in debt. That'd be cool. Oh, this is year six. Woohoo! Next year, debt erased. Go buy me a brand new truck. You know what I mean? Nobody else thinks that way. All right. So, anyways, um, that's what happened then. But it wasn't. It was only for Hebrews. It wasn't for the foreigners that were living among them. It was only for the Hebrew culture. And God was saying, "Hey, this is how I want you to. This is an economic system I want you to use when you get to the land uh, that I'm going to give you." In verse three, it says. This release from debt, however, applies only to your fellow Israelites, not to the foreigners living among you. In verse 4, it says, There should be no poor among you, for, the word for there is like, because the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. How many know that it was a land flowing with milk and honey? So he said, He's going to give you a great land. He's going to bless you greatly there. In verse 5, he says, You will receive this blessing if you're careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. So there's a condition to them. You're going to obey the commands. In verse 6, he says, The Lord your God will bless you as he has promised. You will lend money to many nations, but will never need to borrow if you're reading the New Living Translation. Uh, so in the context there, he's not saying, don't borrow or you know it's a sin or it's wrong to do that but he's saying you're going to be so blessed you're going to lend to many nations you're not going to need to borrow anything in that context um and so romans i'll get to that one in a moment um but even in if you just use reason you use scripture but use reason and think about what's going on here if you continue on in that passage in verse 7 it says but if there are poor israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the lord your god is giving you do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year of canceling debts is close at hand. He's basically saying, hey, you know that next year is the seventh year, and if somebody comes to you and needs a loan, you don't be hard-hearted and, and refuse to give them that loan because you know in a year it's going to be canceled anyway. He says, don't do that. Um, and he says, if you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. So he's basically saying if someone comes and they're in a bind and they're asking for a loan, you're required to do it. So he's telling them, and if you don't do it and they cry out to God, then it's considered, you are considered guilty of sin. So here's my line of reason. If it is wrong or sinful to be in debt, why would God say that it would be sinful to not lend to someone who's in a bind? So in other words, God wouldn't, cause us to lend and tell us to lend. It's also in the New Testament to lend to those who need to borrow. He would not tell us to do that, something that might be sinful because it would be causing another uh, follower of Christ or another Israelite in this case to get into sin if in fact it were a sin or it were wrong. So I don't believe that all scripture teaches that it's wrong or sinful. Now, some of you, it's probably hard to hear and those of you that may be parents and you know how crazy your kids are with money, you're thinking, oh, please, Shane, don't say that, man. They just gave them a green light. What I'm saying is it may be wrong for some people, kind of like alcohol is wrong for some people um, because some people don't handle it very well. But when it comes to a moral issue, it's not sinful or it's not wrong. So, so keep this little sticky sentence in your brain because this is what it is for me. When it comes to the topic of debt, it's not about wrong versus right, 
It's about slavery versus freedom. And I can back that up with scripture, right? It's not about wrong versus right, but it's about slavery versus scripture. If that sounds familiar, uh, that's that, that famous uh, familiar passage in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says, just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant or slave to the lender. And so this is Solomon talking, and he's saying, hey, just as the rich rules over the poor, the, the borrower is a slave to the lender. And so when I was about, I don't know, 18 or so, I began that part of my life where I just uh, I moved out, had a house, wanted to furnish it with some cool stuff. And I was in Southwest Oklahoma, and over in Altus, Oklahoma, was this really cool store called Sight and Sound. And they had furniture, and they had, you know, appliances, and they had stereos for your car, which is the most important part at that age. And I remember going over there, and I didn't have money, you know, I, I was paying rent, utilities, and all that stuff, but I wanted, you know. And, and I go in there, and I see a couch that I want a sectional or a stereo, and I look at the price tag, and I'm like, I can't afford it. But then they had this thing called 12 months, same as cash. I thought I heard angels singing, ah, I was like, whoa. 12 months, same as cash. And then you look at the payments and you're like, I can do that. I can't buy it, but I can do that. And so I began that process, playing that game, 12 months, same as cash. And it worked for a while. I was very faithful to pay it off. And I accumulated a few things, but it set in me a condition that I don't have to wait for stuff. Um, If I want it and there's a payment available, I can do that. Fast forward a few years, probably about 20 years ago now for us, Rachel and I were in a very, very deep hole of debt because of uh, just unwise decisions, unwise transactions. And uh, I remember looking out uh, at the window for the repo man coming to get a vehicle or two. I remember the phone calls coming from the creditors. I remember looking at the statement saying, okay, this was the payment, but now you're late and there's a late fee and then the interest was jacked up. I remember all those things. And I remember the moment of desperation when I made a phone call that changed our life that we still hold on to to this day, 20 years later. So I've been in debt, I've been completely debt-free, and I've been back, back in debt a little bit of time. So kind of been around and in that. And the reality is, is when we borrow, when we go into debt, the Bible says we become a, a servant to the lender. Think about it like this. The bank says, hey, I'll loan you $10,000 at 5% interest, and it'll be paid out over four years, 48 months, and your payment's due on the first of every month. As the borrower, I don't have much leverage at bargaining all that. Uh, it, guess what? It's going to be a loan. Like they said, it's going to be for the amount they said. It's going to be due on the time that they said it was due, right? And I can't negotiate much of that. I'm responsible to take care of that. Um, I'm responsible for that debt. Sounds like somebody's in control, doesn't it? So that's what the verse is saying is the the, the borrower is slave to the lender if, and it doesn't happen often, but if the bank decided they're going to kind of move things around and restructure and they can call the note and then they say, hey, I know I told you 48 months, but I need the money like in the next two weeks. Um, How many know they're the ones causing you to jump through a few hoops to make stuff happen to be able to repay the note? So the point is, the Bible teaches that it is that when you do debt, you are bound to, you're a servant to the one who lends the money. The question is, who's in control? Um, We're not, they are. Um, Now, under that little deal of of being a slave to the lender, Proverbs has a lot to say. Um, And I had you turn to Proverbs 6, and this is a verse that I hear, uh, no offense to Dave Ramsey because I'm a huge fan, but I hear people use this verse about getting out of debt, um, and I think it can apply 
but it also is not what it's talking about in this context. In chapter 6, verse 1, let's look at it together. It says, my child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt, so say friend's debt, so this is our modern-day co-signing. So if you've put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement, he calls it a trap, and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself. For you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Why? Because you can't control what they do with the debt. You're just saying, I agree to pay it if they don't, right? Now, swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Next verse. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. That's a, that's a familiar passage when we talk about debt, but in the context, he's saying, hey, listen, don't secure another person's debt. Very foolish. And that little phrase is repeated probably six different times throughout the Proverbs. Don't secure other people's debts. Um, we, we talked over years, and as much as we've tried to um, help people from time to time, that's one of our practices and principles is we just don't want to co-sign on a note for anybody because it's just putting yourself and your family's um, financial situation at risk. Does that make sense? So scripture teaches us um, that it's not wise to co-sign. It does tell us that we're slave to the lender. Um, a second thing that the Bible does teach about uh, debt is God wants us to lend to others. I referenced this in, in Deuteronomy 15 but in, in verse 9, I also read that if you refuse to make the loan, the needy person who cries out to God, uh, you, you will be considered guilty of sin. And in Matthew 5.42, Jesus is talking. Jesus, God in the flesh, he says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So he wants us as Christians, as followers of Christ, to be generous, to be giving, and to help people out who are in need if we're in a position to do that. Agreed? So when he comes to this, he's like, hey, I want you to, to, to lend to those who need to borrow. And as I said a while ago is if he tells us he wants us to do that, um, he wouldn't have us do something that would cause them to be in sin. That's why I don't believe that being in debt is outright wrong or, or sinful. Um, so the borrower is slave to the lender. God wants us to lend to others. And this one I think is the important one um, when it comes to debt. The third, the third one is we're required to pay back what we borrow. Oh, really? Man, I was kind of hoping we could get out from under that, right? We're required to pay back what we borrow. Um, turn to, or I had you turn to Romans 13. Romans 13, and also um, in the Psalms, uh, there's, another, uh, there's another verse there that I'll reference. But in Romans 13, Paul speaking in verse about 7. <clears throat> I'll back up to this one because this one's always painful too. Verse six, pay your taxes. Oh, uh, to for those, uh, for those same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. I would argue they don't need to be paid as much as they think they need to be paid, but nevertheless, they are serving God in what they do. Verse seven, give to everyone whatever you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Next verse, owe nothing to anyone. Remember earlier I said that that's one of the verses that's used to say it's wrong to be in debt. And you're like, Shane, it just says it there. Owe nothing to anyone. The rest of the verse says, except for your obligation to love one another. Because if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. So I took a, a look at the Greek words there. We see the word owe two different times. 
And in the Greek, it's two different words. One is ophile and the other one's ophilo. And the difference is ophile is, um, it's tangible. It's money, it's goods, it's something that someone owes, uh, one person owes another person. It's tangible debt, literal debt. The second word, o, the ophilo in the Greek, means to be indebted to. Uh, it's an, in an abstract or moral sense. When you do something for someone, they say, dude, I owe you big time, right? Or I, I, I owe you one, man. I, I, I got to take care of you down the road somewhere. It's kind of an abstract sense. It's not a literal, concrete, or physical way. And he's saying, oh, no, man, nothing but to love them. So I can't stand on that one verse and say it's a sin or it's morally wrong to have debt. Do I think it's wise? That's a whole other topic. So back to the question, what does the Bible say about debt? I don't believe it's a sin or it's morally wrong, um, but it does say that when we do get into debt, the borrower is slave to the lender. Uh, God does want us to lend to people, and we're required to pay back what we borrow. Um, Psalm 37, 21 says, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. And so if we go into debt with the intention that we don't have, we don't have any intention of paying it back, that would be sinful, that would be wicked, that would be wrong. So as far as Christ, we're responsible to take care of business. Now, I've had a bankruptcy, what about that? And I know that that's kind of a hard one, you're like, man, does that mean I'm wrong? I didn't repay. The cool thing about living in the United States of America, there are these laws that are on the book that help people that get into those situations to restructure and realign. But as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, our our goal, our heart should be to take care of what we owe. When Rachel and I restructured 20 years ago, um, we paid back every penny of what we owed in debt. We just had a moral obligation, a conviction that I spent it, I owe it, and so we paid it back. Um, and so the wicked borrow and never repay. So if we go into it with the intention of never taking care of business, that would be a sinful to do so. So we're required to pay back what we, we borrow. Um, so the second part of that question was, how does it affect relationships, marriage, and with God? And this kind of, you see this played out every day almost in marriage um, and in the church and in our communities. Um, I was over at Dave Ramsey's website, Ramsey Solutions, and he says, uh, money fights are the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. Results show that both high levels of debt and lack of communication are major causes for the stress and anxiety surrounding household finances. And I didn't need to read that to know that that is true, that the second leading cause of divorce is financial strain. Some of you look at me like, go, I feel it. And Rachel and I have gone through these, these talks, these, we call them discussions, you know what I'm saying? And you're talking finances, and here's why, because when you start talking about, and we've got this debt, we've got this debt, and we, got, we owe this one, and we owe that one, and if, we wouldn't, if we, we wouldn't do this, this, or this, and we start to take it personal with one another, and we start to get defensive, and we start arguing, well, it's not me, it's you, you see where it can go. Just to snowball and cause a big old fight. Um, it usually feels personal. Uh, so a lot of marriages have issues because of the finances, lack of communication, and high levels of, of, of debt. In that same survey, they, they surveyed 1,000 people, and it says it's 87% of the respondents, 1,000 of those people who say their marriage is great, also say that they and their spouse work together to set long-term goals for their money. They communicate. They talk about where they stand and where they're at, 87% who say they have a great marriage are those who discuss and talk about money. So couples, hear me, it's important 
to talk about that amongst yourself. Um, you know, there's a long time I would just handle it by myself and Rachel would be out or she'd handle it and I'd be out. But it gets really cool when you get together and you talk about your goals and what you want to try to attempt to do financially. Communicate, share those goals. So in marriage, um, I don't think I have to go very far into that. It can cause a lot of issues in a marriage if we have a lot of debt um, because it just puts strain and stress on relationship and everything else. Um, as far as God, I wrote down a couple things. Um, when we allow ourselves to get too much in debt, we're not free to serve God the way we want to serve him. Now, if you think about it this way, you, you've got all these creditors that you've borrowed money from, and then you get your paycheck. The first people in line are the creditors going, hey, you still owe me a portion of what you borrowed from me. And so they're there every week or every biweekly, whatever it is, to take back that. And, and so there's a, there's a certain sense that you're not free to be able to do what you want with your money because it's already committed um, to uh, the creditors. And so God wants us to tithe, to, to give to the kingdom. I remember hearing people say, hey, I can't afford to tithe. My heart and attitude is I can't afford not to because there's a biblical principle there, and I've seen God's faithfulness in that for years. So it, 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 we're, not able to free, we're not free to serve him in tithing. How about this? What if God tomorrow says, hey, Shane, there's a small community, needs a pastor. I want you to pack up and go and your salary is going to be less than 50% of what it is now, I'd be like, okay, can I make it happen? Well, I can move things around and kind of wind things down here and probably make it happen. But it's going to take time, and I may miss an opportunity. So it kind of limits us. We're not free to serve God the way he would want us to do. Or giving. Think about somebody that you love and somebody that comes across your, you know, your, your mind that's struggling and going through a hard time, and your heart goes out to them, and you'd love to be able to help, but you can't because you yourself are leveraged too much. So it kind of keeps us from being free to serve God at those opportunities that he gives us to serve. Also, um, I put here trusting credit cards more than God, because that's personal to me. Uh, there was a season when, I don't remember how many kids we had at the time, but uh, we were tight, money was tight, the bills were in, and we needed groceries, just the staples. And I remember saying, I, we have got to have some groceries. Get on my knees, pray, God, would you please provide? Would you take care of our needs? And, um, you know, maybe a little ADD, a little lack of faith on my part. But I get up from praying, I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to Walmart, you know. And I pull out the plastic, and I'd pay for groceries on a credit card, which is double foolish. And I uh, did that a few times. But it gives us, uh, I would say, for, from, from God's perspective, are you trusting the plastic more than you're trusting the one that said he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Um, and so he wants us to trust him. And sometimes he, he uses these situations and he works through those in ways that you may not be thinking about. Um, and, and so I think that it affects our relationship there and that it just kind of shows a lack of trust, a lack of faith uh, on our parts whenever we run to the creditor's uh, first thing. And let me say this. I didn't have it in my notes, but years ago I had somebody say, you know, I was praying, I was praying, we needed a new van, we needed a new van, praying for it, and God provided, he just blessed us with this van, and, and they're, they're like in this nice van, God blessed us with it, I'm like, that's awesome, how did you do it, well, we went to the deal, and they, they gave us low payments, and, and they financed it, and I'm like, God doesn't work through that like that, so God provides, but he's not always going to work through credit, he's not going to put us in a financial tough spot in debt, um, just so that we can say that he provided for us. And, and maybe that doesn't speak to anybody, but I've seen that a few times um, in my life. Another thing that uh, 
Shay and I were talking about earlier, is our testimony so important? Would you agree as far as with Christ? If I'm in debt and I am not faithful to repay the obligations of doing that, it kind of puts a, a black mark on my, my character and my testimony. I call myself a follower of Christ and I'm not responsible with the, the responsibilities that I have, financially speaking. Then somebody looks at me and says, you call yourself a Christian, hey, pay your bills. Take care of that first. And so it can, it can affect us that way um, as well. So hopefully you're tracking with me this morning. It's not about wrong versus right, but it's about slavery versus freedom. Now, here's my conviction. I don't believe for a moment that God in heaven looks down and he enjoys watching husbands and wives go at it over finances. I don't believe he enjoys that. I don't believe he enjoys looking down at his children and seeing them wringing their hands, fretting and worrying over their financial situations. I don't believe that he enjoys that at all. I don't think it's his heart. When Jesus came and died on the cross to give us freedom, how many are grateful for that freedom? I believe that that freedom goes so much wider than just in salvation because he's blessed us with all the wisdom that we need to know on how to do this thing called life. Would you agree? So in marriage, like I want to be wise in my marriage. He gives us some really good stuff to follow and apply here. Finances, he gives us some great stuff to follow and apply there as well. And so um, we, want to, we want to trust him and that freedom I think he wants us to experience as well. But it really comes back down to each one of us individually. Now, my conviction is I, I still don't like debt for me personally. I can't go out and write a house or check for a house, okay? So there's a level of it that I'm going to be involved in. But my conviction is it'd be cool. How cool would it be to be completely debt-free? It'd be sweet, wouldn't it? And like I said, I've tasted it before, and it was awesome. Um, and I, I want to do that again. And so for me, it's a personal conviction. I don't want to be there, and so I'm going to do everything I can to try to move some of these things out of the way and get debt-free ASAP. And so maybe you're here today and you feel like I did 20 years ago when I felt like there was no hope. Uh, I remember that phone call very vividly, Rachel. I don't know if you do or not, but I had tears in my eyes and in my throat. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to provide for my family and, and we're in over our heads and we don't, we don't know what to do. And they just simply started walking through with us, um, asking some questions, help us to get clarity, and then come up with a plan that led us on a seven-year journey to get out of that debt, and I was so grateful for them. And they're still in business today, by the way. I looked them up this morning. So I'm gonna give you four things, A, B, C, and D, um, by way of application. If you're in debt, you're like, hey, I just really am kind of torn on this thing. I wanna be out of debt. I don't know how I feel about it, but I realize that it's, it's, it's about slavery versus freedom, and I really wanna have more freedom, financially speaking. Um, and so I think the first step is, A, admit Admit that there's a problem, um, especially in the context of a, a husband and wife uh, in a marriage, because what will happen is one will come up and they're, they're convicted about it or they're feeling the pressure, and it was like, no, it's fine. We totally got this. We're cool. Admit, hey, you know what? You're right. We do have some debt, and if this is our goal, then we have to agree that there is a problem before we even start. So admit uh, that there's a problem. Talk with each other. Communicate. Remember, what Ramsey said, um, lack of communication and high levels of debt are the major causes to the stress and anxiety surrounding household finances. So communicate with each other. Um, admit. B, this is a word nobody likes, but it saved my life, is budget. Um, budget. You don't know where the money's going. You, don't, you just know that there's none at the end of the month. You know that song, Too Much Month at the End of the Money? Um, you know, live my life that way for a long time. And the budget is what changed. Here's how it looks for us. Hey, um, we don't know what to do. We got people knocking on the door. We got the phone calls coming in. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out here. 
And they very calmly said, all right, how much money do you make? And, and I just told them, here's what I make every week. Um, how many debts do you have? And I started listing them. And she very calmly said, okay, all right, you can do this, but you're going to need to sell a car. Up until that point, it never even dawned on me to get rid of the albatross that was around my neck called a car. And when that light bulb came on, I was like, okay, I think there's a way that we can get this thing rolling. And so we immediately started trying to sell a couple of vehicles and downsize to get us through that, that season. And this budget became, um, it, it's, it's, Dave Ramsey said, it tells your money where to go. So by living on a budget, there's no more questions about where did all that money go. We had a budget. Um, the, the, the third one, and I'll kind of tie it in with the budget, is counsel. Seek wise counsel. There are people that are far smarter than I am when it comes to finances. And they know how to make debt work for them. I'm like, I still haven't figured that one out, but there are people that are very smart with that. Um, don't be afraid to ask or seek out counsel uh, with these people that have the experience. I mean, knock on the door and say, hey, can I talk to you? I'm struggling and I, I, I know that you're good with this. Could you help me figure this thing out? I'm available. Um, I've helped over the years several people just sit down and come up with a simple budget and just to kind of get a bird's eye view of where they're at, where they need to go, what they need to do um, to get out of debt. So don't be afraid to seek counsel. Uh, and lastly, it's the most important part, uh, because if you don't have this and all the rest of it, it's just stuff on paper, but D, discipline. Discipline's so important because it's not what you know, but it's what you do with what you know that matters, Right? You've heard us say around this church, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do anybody, anybody any good. So it's discipline. It's not what you know, but it's what you do with what you know. So what does the Bible say about debt, being in it, getting out, staying out? Um, it's my conviction it's not sinful or wrong. It may be wrong for some people uh, that don't know how to manage it, but from a moral standpoint, Scripture doesn't really lead us there. Um, but it does have a lot to say. And wisdom says, don't, don't enslave yourself or don't yoke yourself up with such a heavy burden that you can't enjoy this life, you can't enjoy that marriage that God has placed you in um, and that you're not able to serve God the way you would want to serve the, the, you know, and put yourself in a position where maybe it damages your testimony to the people around you. Don't overdo it. It really comes down to responsibility. Um, in fact, we had another meeting last night, impromptu, just because I was going to be talking about this. So let's sit down and let's look at it again. It, it doesn't hurt to always just kind of bring it back into your, your view and look at wherever things are at or everything's at. Um, Zig Ziglar says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Um, so you need to have a target. And so I was like, all right, so what do you want to do? Option one, option two, option three. If we're serious, here's our options. What do you want to do? So we're praying through some of that ourselves. But bring it, bring it to the table. Talk about it. Um, there is hope. Um, in that, um, but that's what he says about debt. Hopefully that answered the question that was asked, um, and if you're here and you're the one that asked that question, and it didn't clarify that, you've got another question, please feel free to come uh, talk to me after we dismiss, but let me close with this. All this talk about debt, financially speaking, none of this matters in the grand scheme of eternity, because the greatest debt that was paid was the one paid through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you could be here today and be completely debt-free, be rich out the nose, man. I mean, that'd be awesome, right? And, and be a slave to sin and not have your sins paid for by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The most important thing that we can do is to recognize that, that there is a sin debt, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Hopefully, you're here today and you've placed your faith in the gospel. If not, when we dismiss, if you'd like to come forward, I would love to be able to talk with you. 
uh, maybe answer some questions, pray with you, however the Lord may lead you. Um, so my question before I pray is, what step do you want to take? And you can do nothing. You can say, I think, I think I like things just the way they are. And you may be in a spot where it's not a big deal. Great for you. Um, but please understand, any debt is a level of slavery. I mean, that's a strong word. But you're committed to something. Maybe for some, that first step is just to you know, admit that there's a problem. Uh, it may be making that phone call. It may be sitting down and coming up with a budget. It may be making some very difficult uh, decisions. But uh, I'm convinced that God has given us all the resources we need and the wisdom we need to know how to manage this thing called life, even as it pertains to finances. And isn't that great? That God loves us enough that he gives us information about that too. So one of you is excited about that. I'm really glad to hear that. Thank you. Thanks for the encouragement. I appreciate that. So I'm going to pack my bags and quit the ministry today. So uh, no, I'm playing. Uh, God's good and he's faithful and um, we trust him and we just want to be obedient and uh, be free to do the things that he's called us to do. And um, especially younger people, I always say be very, very, very careful uh, with debt. And there's statistics. There were a ton of them I was reading. I don't remember half of them, but um, it, it's a dangerous, slippery slope. Be very wise when it comes to what you do and how you partner yourself, yourself with that, um, uh, with lending, borrowing, debt, and all that stuff. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, first off, for the gospel that, um, Lord, our sin debt has been paid, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, that um, that sacrifice that Jesus made was sufficient. Uh, Lord, meaning that there's nothing else required. Everything that needed to be done has been done by way of the cross and the sacrifice of Christ to put me from slavery to freedom, spiritually speaking. And I thank you for the gospel. Lord, my hope is that if there's anyone here today and they're, they're not in a right relationship with you, that you would just speak to them through your spirit and draw them into a relationship with you, that they would uh, take a step in that direction today and trust you with their faith. But Father, just on the topic of today, I thank you for these questions, just practical questions, Lord, that we all kind of wrestle with. Man, and I hope that maybe uh, through the scriptures we, we shed some light on what your word says about it. And I pray that you would help us to be wise when it comes to money. And Lord, to realize that even though there's no, no, no wrong or sin in, in being in some debt, uh, Lord, help us to see that visual image of just being uh, chained to a lender. And uh, for me, the conviction is just how much of a slave do I want to be? And Lord, if you, just, uh, if you were wanting to call us out of that uh, debt, then give us the, the passion, the conviction to do so and to take the steps necessary to, to take our families in the right direction so that we can be free to serve you um, and to live our lives in a way that's, uh, uh, Lord, not stressful, not worrying every week about uh, the, the money or a kid gets sick, a car breaks down, all the things that come with life. God, I pray that you'll give us wisdom when it comes to money. There's so many other more important things that we should be focused on, and that becomes a distraction for us many times. So, Lord, would you just please um, give us wisdom with that and help us to, to be responsible with these resources. And, and money is an inanimate object. We know that. It's not evil. But it's the pursuit, the love of it, um, Lord, that can get us entrapped. And um, Lord, we sure want to serve you and not mammon. So would you help us to do that? And would you direct us in whatever steps that we need to take today? And we ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.